Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Here's an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, R.D. Olson. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs. I can't help looking back Oh, mama down on that Mississippi shotgun shack Sometimes I wish we were back in 53. You remember we just got it? DJ Bill and me. We was making all them records down the sun, Mama. And everybody was there. Sam and Johnny and Roy. B.B. King. And the Howlin' Wolf. Who could forget the old killer Jerry Lee? He outlived us all. We didn't know we was making history, Mama. We just having some fun. Glory. 
like to share You see God's love is everywhere on the line right now. Hey, R.D., how you doing? I'm great, Richard. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Now, you've been on the show before, but we always like to give our fans this opportunity to really get to know who an artist is by where they came from, their journey. 
So give us the story of R.D. Olson. Okay, well, let's go back to a little town, a little farming community of Zombroda, Minnesota. And that's where I was born and raised. It's uh, in between Minneapolis and Rochester, Minnesota, small farming community. I think it might be a skosh over 2,000 now, but it hasn't grown much. But that's where I come from, so I'm a farm boy. Uh, my early influences in were country music and uh, you know, you hear Hank Williams on the radio and that old stuff that would be playing, you know, and, and then I uh, slowly got into the blues at about 16. When ironically I picked up a blues, I was looking for a rock and roll station when I wasn't supposed to be listening to the radio and picked up on this blues station, of course I didn't know that at the time, but it was coming out of Little Rock, Arkansas. And uh, that was my first real introduction to blues music, and I just fell in love with it. But uh, since then, uh, we've been around. Of course, I moved out to Arizona when I was about uh, 30 years old and was out in Arizona for, gosh, 30-some years. I'm in the Blues Hall of Fame out there, played a lot out there, loved the state. But currently, we've relocated to northwest Arkansas. So I'm up in Fayetteville area of Arkansas right now. And... uh, putting a new band back together, finished a recording out here in Arkansas, the one that you just played, Born in the Country, was all recorded uh, actually in Hot Springs, uh, Arkansas, with uh, big event music down there. And so we just got that done and just, uh, you know, surviving <coughs> COVID like everybody else here. I've had my COVID already, <laughs> had that and got it over with last year. So uh, it's, been a, it's been a really crazy uh, trying to, took us a year to record the record because people were getting sick and then I got sick and and we just had to keep put postponing and stuff and eventually we got it done. Okay. Well, let's talk about um, this release. You know, just yes, curious, um, when you were in Arizona, did you ever run into Sam Bluesman Taylor? Well, of course. And I played with Sam quite a bit because, you know, we'd go down. I was with Chico Chisholm's band. Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, Sam Taylor was just uh, a wonderful human being, and I, I know you know Sam well. Oh, yeah. Um, and anytime Chico and I would go down to Tucson, we were always guests. And, and actually, I uh, he came up to Phoenix. I had a little house gig up there. And Sam came up and made an appearance up there just out of the goodness of his heart, I think. I mean... He just stopped in, he played a set, and went about his business. But then that was probably the last time I saw him, but just a wonderful singer, songwriter, uh, entertainer. I, I love Sam. Yeah, he was he was definitely a good guy. Oh, now, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your new release. Um, when you were putting this together, what was kind of your goal or message that you were looking to get across? Well, when I, uh, uh, the title track is Born in the Country, and, and that is about this song I've been working on for 30 years at least. I, I started to write it when I was 38 years old, so and I'm 68 now, so that is 30 years. But it took me this long to finish it and this long to record it, and I don't know why that is. It just, it just is something about the timing never uh, it, it just came out now. So in this record, uh, it's based around my growing up you know, with an alcoholic father and kind of hard times when things, when I was young. And um, the rest of the record, I try to pick songs. that I've got Johnny Walker on there, which I released earlier, but didn't care for the version. So I re-recorded that. And that's a, 
another ballad that's about a friend of mine that committed suicide. So this album's kind of hard hitting in that it, it, it's, we're talking about some unpleasant memories I've had that you know happen to make good blues songs. Um, and there's a couple inspirational tunes on there. I think you played "I Got a Message," which which was written uh, again a long time ago and just got released now. Uh, we did a couple songs by other folks in there. I did a a retake of. Uh, an Elvis song uh, that was also recorded by Delbert McClinton, uh, this song there, I've Got a Mess of Blues, and that hadn't been done, and I've always loved that song, so we, we redid that one. Um, you know, the, 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 this record just had to get out of me, whether, you know, I, this was this one I've been carrying around for a long time, and none of these songs I put on the other record that I'd recorded except Johnny Walker, so it's just getting this this record off my chest. You know, I feel like I've been dragging this one around my whole life. And so I got it out of me. Now we'll get on to some, some other stuff, you know, more current stuff. But uh, uh, I really enjoyed recording it. I love the musicians I worked with on this. It gave me a little bit different sound, uh, a little bit more rock edge sound. Uh, I recorded with Brent Frazier and Mike Lovelady, too. Uh, great musicians out of uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas. Both were Branson players and and uh, you know we the three of us made the record playing multiple instruments. Okay, now um, let's talk a little bit about you as a songwriter. You know, every songwriter has their way of tapping into the muse. What is your process when you sit down to write? Well, I never. I know it sounds funny, but I never sit down with the idea that I'm going to write a song today because nothing comes. Okay. Uh, songs come to me. I, I, I could be playing golf, you know, and it's, it seems like ideas come to me when I'm not thinking about them, and I think that frees your subconscious mind up or something. But a song will just pop into my head, and I, I, I might be working, I might be, you know, again, playing golf on a boat, something, and then a song will blow into my head, and I'll, I'll hear the whole thing. Uh, the lyrics and the, the you know uh, the the arrangement is all kind of playing in my head like I'm, uh, there's a radio station going off you know and so that's how I write now the thing I have to do is write it down right away or it's gone so uh, I know when I wrote Mama I Miss Memphis I I wrote that uh, which is a tribute to Elvis Presley but I wrote that on on August of his, it would have been the anniversary of his death but I I, for, I had forgotten. And I was uh, traveling from one from Needles, California to uh, Fort Mojave, Arizona, and that song just blew in my mind. And I pulled over and got a pen and wrote it down and went home and finished that one. But uh, I never sit down and try to write anymore. I used to, but I just, if a song comes, it comes. Um, and then I write it. And that way I feel like it's totally uh, in, it's inspired. Okay. And I, I I would hate to sit down. And, I'd hate to go in in the morning and have a job to write a song and say, we've got to have the song half done by noon. You know, and I think when people write like that, things get really cliche. Now, let's talk a little bit about what's in your toolkit as a songwriter. You know, every songwriter has their their collection of tools, whether it's their cell phone, they use to capture ideas, or they have a home recording studio. What is in your toolkit that you like to use when you sit down to write? I've got a well. I love to. I love to write by hand, and 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 part of it with me really is this. Now I, I have small Tascam tape recorder. I've got a small home studio. Um, but once an idea comes, and and I 
I'm carrying the recorder or the phone anymore, I can just sing what I'm hearing in my head into the phone and then go home. Uh, I have a, a little studio where I can make a rough draft of a song and put in the bass line, the drum parts, the guitar parts, and I'll rough a song up, uh, refine the lyrics. You know, that's when I sit down and I write and I, and I, I refine the lyrics and get, get a good hook and then try to reproduce the music I'm kind of hearing in my head on my computer. So once I've got a rough draft of it that way, then I'll, I'll take it to the studio and we fine tune it as, uh, as like we did with this last record. Okay. Well, let's talk about going into the studio. Um, you know, uh, when you get in that environment, you know, it's a, it's a different process from the writing because this is where you create the identity of the song, the sound of you as an artist. Uh, when you get in that environment, how do you like to work to capture your sound? You know, a lot of it, like, with, let's talk about this last record here. Um, I, I recorded with guys that uh, were coming from a different place musically. They, they were musicians that played blues, country, well-rounded musicians. And and I would bring them in the rough draft, okay, and we'd sit down in the studio. Uh, the engineer is also the guitar player on the record, Brent Frazier. And, and he'd sit and he'd listen, and of course he's got his own ideas. So I would let, uh, we would have a brainstorming session with the people that were going to record on it. And after I'd done my first recording with them, I had trusted them so much to come up with the right feel and groove based on what I gave them. Uh, sometimes I would be in shock. They would come up with an arrangement that was quite a bit different than what I was originally hearing. Um, and I would have to go home and say, send me the MP3. I'll see if I can fit the lyrics to it. I'll see if it feels right. And generally, on everything, they were right. You know, I mean, they be, we created like that. So I'd say, no, take that lead out. No, I need more emotion, uh, that kind of stuff. And they were able to deliver it with just that simple communication. Like he asked me on Johnny Walker, what do you want? And I went, well, this is a, a, about a guy <laughs> that's, committed that's committing suicide. I want I want that emotion. And, and he delivered, you know, so that, that's how we did it on this last record. I collaborated with uh, the musicians and, and they had, you know, a say in the arrangements and stuff. So it was, a, it really was a collaboration. Okay. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about the, the industry. Um, over the last 20 years, you know, things have changed. Um, the consumer now looks at streaming as a way to consume music. As much as we want to fight it, that is the reality. That's how people are listening. You know, cars no longer have CD players. You can't go to Best Buy and 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 go to the CD you know player section and find a player there. I mean, it's just right. you know they're just not there. Once that hardware goes away, the software is not too far behind. Um, right. You know, so we need to you know embrace what we have. How are you dealing with this new world, this new um, world of, of streaming? Very, it's been very difficult, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'm still trying to figure it all out. Uh, I do read a lot of the stuff you put out, which you help so many musicians, and I, I really appreciate it. I'm fighting it, though. I do have 
one of the songs you played is uh, out there, uh, which I put out there six months ago as a test run. That was the first song that we got done on the record. And then I put it done, I, I released it as a single. It's out there on Spotify, and uh, we released it through CD Baby. And, um, you know, I just haven't followed it. I, I, I haven't fully embraced that, this technology. I guess uh, <clears throat> I had a younger player that's playing with me now said, you got to get, you, you have to, you have no choice. You have to get into this. This is the future. This is the now. Uh, you can't think old school anymore. So I said, well, you know, I'll give it a try. I've got one song out there, and I guess we're going to put the whole album up. I, I, I am fighting it. I don't agree with it. Um, I, I don't think that... What would happen if all the musicians started pulling their music out? What would, how would that change the industry, I wonder? I think they're paying us hardly anything to spin our records, and I know it's all about playlists and getting on big uh, playlists and all that, and... And, and with my original songs, that's fine. With uh, with uh, you know, with songs that I bought the rights to, I've got to pay streaming more than what the what they pay us to do it. So it's kind of tough. But we're going to go in there, and I, I have to learn how to use it. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, there is new technology coming down the pike, uh, and it's 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 actually right here on the doorstep. I mean, there are companies that are already in existence. Um, where they're looking to return to the artist up to 90% of the generated revenue. Up to this point, you know, the, the music industry has only been returning up to 12% of the generated income going back to the creators themselves, the songwriters right. and the artists. So, you know, there's a problem there. Um, but this new technology is designed to, number one, eliminate all of these middlemen that have glutted the uh, the music industry. You know, the yeah. aggregators and the Spotify's and the record companies and the, you know, and the, you know, the, the um, ASCAP and BMI and CSAC and all these other companies that seem to get a little piece of the pie every time you turn around. Uh, even though the, you know, the PROs are non-profit, so to speak, you know, they they still don't pay the independent artists what they're due on an equitable basis. You know, nobody does. Right. So, but this new technology is designed in such a way that you will get paid no matter what because it's all based on what they call a smart contract. Um, what do you think of that technology as we move forward? Is, does that seem more palatable to you? Yeah, and I think uh, I'd read uh, an article you'd put out about blockchain. Still investigating that, and uh, I'll look to you for probably some more information how to go that route. I, 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 I got to tell you, I've been very stubborn about doing this, but uh, as I put a song out, I think I've earned 12 cents in six months, but I haven't done anything. I haven't pushed it around. I haven't bought it up on any playlist. I, I just put it in there and, and actually left it alone. And, and I know that you have to work that. And I, I'm guilty of not working the Spotify thing. I don't agree with it. I just don't agree with it. But but uh, if we're going to survive, we have to. We have oh, to do yeah. something. Well, you know, what I found interesting is that there are even solutions to that now with this new technology 
Now, one of the things that the blockchain has given us is this non-fungible token or the ability to create a digital collectible. And um, one of the sites that I investigated was the site royalty.io. And it allows you to create tokens with a percentage of your streaming royalties. And uh, one artist, Naz, took 50% of his streaming royalties on two songs. And he made them available as little tokens, these digital tokens, NFTs, at 0.15% per token. And wow. he set it up in, in these three tiers. And, you know, like the first tier, you got a couple, you know, T-shirts, hats, and a token. You know, and then the big tier, you got VIP tickets to a show. You got, sure. you know, a Zoom call with Naz. You got, you know, all these little, you know, VIP fan experiences. In addition to the token, when you add up the monies that he will have uh, accumulated on this 50% uh selling of his of his uh, royalties he will have ended up with almost six hundred thousand dollars of advanced now, money you can live with. well yeah it's it's virtually turning pennies into dollars mm-hmm. you know those streaming pennies now become dollars but right. in addition if you think about it he now has almost two thousand fans that have an economic interest and making and his, and sure his that his songs get streamed. So that's the game. I haven't quite, I, I really do uh, enjoy going to your sites and reading this stuff because I really have been resistant, but uh, we have to change. That's the way it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're definitely, you know, and I don't think we're going to have a lot of choices as far as having to change because this is where it's going. It's It's here. It's already, you know, in existence. Yeah. And once these big artists now move their material to that to these you know streaming sites, all the fans are going to follow. Sure, they will. So you know, we as independent artists need to be forward thinking and be there before the fans even get there, and be at the at the um, you know at the doorstep of this new technology. You know. Yes, indeed. Yeah. You know, so when the fans do show up, there you are. You're there. You're already there established, already. and you understand this technology. So you know that's well, that's important. I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing some research tomorrow on it. I know that article you had out the other day on blockchain uh, really interests me, and I'm I'm up to anything that we can. Yeah, we have to be able to obviously generate some money so we can continue to make music. Well, yeah, I mean, um, content creators can't create if they're not being compensated, you know? Correct. That's right. That's right. Now, one of the things that I noticed, too, is that when uh, the pandemic hit, a lot of artists went on to the Internet. They started doing live streams. They started creating content, music videos, um, working their social media, putting up, you know, videos of their cats, kittens, and babies, you know, what they had for breakfast and, you know, generally the things they do around the house while they were, you know, locked down on the pandemic. But what happened was the fans really got to know the artist as people. There was this connection that was made 
through social media and you know it's almost like you created your own reality show mm-hmm. you know the internet is a broadcast network and, and a lot of people have been very acclimated to this whole reality show mentality. Because let's face it, you know, network television has been playing it for over 25 years. Nothing but, yes. you know, reality shows. So we're very attuned to that. And as long as you have authenticity and consistency, you can really generate a huge fan base by working your social media and working social you know the social media to create this kind of reality show thing how are you negotiating this world of content creation well i need to get better there's no doubt um you know i i feel like i've done reasonably well i do a lot of advertising on the internet um i paid for advertising of course on facebook and other uh platforms um you know, mixed results, some good, some not as good, uh, and that's just life in any facet. So uh, w- one of the things that really interests me in, in, in thinking about doing, and I haven't decided yet, but I have a theater here uh, in Bentonville, Arkansas, the home of Walmart, which is right next to Fayetteville. And uh, there's a wonderful theater there where I did a show, and we'll be doing a CD release party there in the spring. But I'm thinking about doing more content this is a very big growing area where I'm at, and there are major investors in this, uh, want to see this turn into the next Austin, Texas. In fact, there's an article online about it. I mean, major people, the Walmart Corporation, Tyson, and uh, some of these big employers that live in this area, want to see this area that I live in, Northwest Arkansas, the next Austin, Texas, um, in terms of the music scene. And it has everything here. So what I'm thinking about doing is working with this beautiful little theater um, and doing, um, you know, bringing in acts, doing a weekly show, creating content, a weekly tape show. Um, uh, I've got a lot of things put together, but featuring a lot of the bands that, are, you know, are, I'm very close to Branson, Missouri here, just was away, uh, Eureka Springs. So we're in a very unique area in the Ozarks here. And I'm thinking about doing a kind of an Ozark music show uh, featuring a band and then guest artists and so on and so forth. Those are all in preliminary stages, but uh, one thing I did do the last three months is I got off and I made some videos. We didn't have any good videos, professional videos of our music. We do now. In fact, I worked on a video all day today, editing. And so um, we're jumping on the video bandwagon, which was long overdue trying to give these songs I write, which are based in truth and true stories, you know, the visual that will help people, um, you know, understand these songs. So that's the plan right now. And uh, and investigating blockchain, that really uh, has my interest. Well, you know, and, and even what you're doing as far as this theater, I think is a great idea because let's face it, you know, we all know that, you know, when the We've been in this pandemic, in this shutdown for, we're going on three years now. Yeah. And we know a lot of those routing venues that we all depend on, you know, when you go out on tour, 
you know, you may get a festival gig on a Friday or Saturday night, but you still got to put gas in the car. You still got to pay the musicians. Mm-hmm. You still got to get from point A to point B and feed the band. And, you know, so you need those routing gigs, those Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday gigs, Thursday even. If you can establish a an area down there where you know artists can you know touring artists can pick up a a routing that's gig right you know that that's right that's gold you know that's right especially um, where you're at a tuesday or a wednesday yeah we're right here off of 40 and so we're right in a main travel what my, my the game plan right now is for for the rd olsen blues band which is i put a new band together here in northwest arkansas is to go out within three four hours we're going to get that touring setup uh, so we're not too far away and just get get some get our club so we can be out on the prime nights thursday friday saturday and then do this theater stuff during the week here sitting sitting where i can bring other artists in mm-hmm. you know i think i think since we talked um uh the last time which was back in 216 um, I don't think I'd gone out on the road with Beverly Guitar Watkins at that time, and I and so I was uh, doing shows with Beverly Watkins, doing theater gigs around the you know. And the last place we that she actually played alive was my hometown theater in Zumbrota, Minnesota. We went back there and did a show. And um, theaters, uh, I really got a taste for playing the small theaters. So um, that's what we're working on. We've got a great small theater here. And I think uh, the owner wants to work with us, and so uh, we're going to produce some local shows, and and then that'll give me a lot of new content as well. Oh yeah, that's that's a great way to get content, and and to promote that area and bring in those touring acts, give them something, at least put gas in the you know in the tank, you know as they're that's traveling right. through. That's exactly right, and we are on a route where a lot of musicians run through here. So, okay. Well, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there an Indie Blues double shot from your new all right. release. Sounds good, Richard. Uh, thanks so much for all you do. I mean, I read your stuff all the time. It helps us so much. Uh, well, I th- thank you. Thank you for, you know, supporting. And Absolutely. Uh, you guys out there, you know what? Turn it up loud. Screw the neighbors. Yeah. We're going to have some Sounds fun. Good. Sounds good. Thank you so much.
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Shout now, honey. Gonna make. 